my God, Peyton, you have to read this book. Hi, Hi friends. Oh my gosh, it's so great to hear your voice. It's so great to hear your voice and to be able to say hi friends together like that for our podcast again. I know, guys, it's been like what, 3 or 4 months? Way too long. Um, but a, a much needed rejuvenation for the both of us. Yes, I was glad to really get to enjoy my summer without um any obligations I mean except for internship and like traveling and stuff but at least no school and other things um how was your the rest of your summer um it was really good I was just studying my little heart away for the um CFP which I actually have decided I can't take in November so I pushed it off a little further um to let myself keep studying which was a difficult decision but a really good one like I don't like, I felt like a quitter by not taking it in November, but I got over that pretty quick and it felt really good to be able to, to give myself that grace to take a little longer to study. So, but it was good. Did you do anything fun with your summer? Yeah. Well, first I'm so proud of you. I've told you this a thousand times, but um, that you did what you needed, um, even though it might have been like hard. So good job for that. We all need to learn how to give ourselves grace and rest when we need it. Um, but yeah, I had a good rest of my summer. Um, I moved, which was stressful. I live with my girlfriend now. I remember when we started this podcast, I was like, like, I feel like I'm going to be the perpetually single sex in the city one. And that's not what happened. Um, I live with my girlfriend now and it's lovely. Um, I, she has a dog. It's, I feel like it's like our dog now. And, um, I really enjoy living with the dog. So that's maybe one of the best parts. Um, and I started my second year of law school, which is like crazy intense, um, so much work. But I also feel like this semester is so much better than where I was at this time last year because we're in person. I have like friends now. So I feel like it's I'm in a much better place. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. And you are going to just keep doing amazing um, with law school. I could never do what you're doing with all of the work you're putting into that. So good job. Thank you. And I just realized we never introduced ourselves. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Sorry, guys. So if you are new here, I am Bailey. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm Peyton. My pronouns are also she, her. And um, welcome to You Have to Read This Book podcast. We are two um, former best friends. No kidding. We are two. (laughs) Thanks. We are two best friends that um, used to like live and work together, not live together, but like in the same place. And um, although Peyton would be so lucky to be my roommate. I would, I think, actually. And um, I like started to annoy Peyton once I moved away that she had to still be good friends with me. And our friendship, I feel like, is really uh, founded, not founded on books, but um, strengthened by books. Yeah. And so um, we were like, oh, we should... Um, we should start a podcast and continue our book conversations. And I think it, it went really well. It's been a good way for us to keep up. Yeah. Never would I ever have thought we'd be doing a second season or let alone more than one episode of a podcast um, when you proposed the idea. But I do have this like crippling fear that whenever I make friends, they move away and then we're not friends anymore, which happens all the time uh, in my friend circle with me. So uh, I'm really glad that we're doing this and, and that we're, we're sticking with it. It's been really fun. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we have a really exciting month planned for, for you all and for us. And so we're excited to, to jump into it. I know. And I'm like, I'm so excited about what we're doing um, to start off season two with October and kind of doing spooky stuff because I'm like so into all the spooky things right now. I just hold, held a witchy brunch yesterday. This is very fun. I'm watching The Haunting of Hill House, um, which I don't even normally like scary things, but like I'm trying to get into it and I'm like enjoying it. Um, so I'm just like really trying to immerse myself in um, like creepy culture right now. Excellent. It's the best time for it. Um, I'm watching Lucifer on Netflix, but maybe I will um, take a pause and switch to the Hill House and watch it with you. That'd be fun. Amazing. Well, you should because um, my girlfriend uh, watched the first episode with me and said that she will not be continuing. So, so 
Uh, if you aren't already creeped out by it, you need to pay attention to the background because there's secret ghosts in the background of every episode. And that's like, I've watched it twice. And so the first time I just watched it and then I immediately went back and watched it again and just watched the background for the scary things. And it was 10 times more creepy. Wow. Okay. I heard that. And I was trying to do that while I watched Bly Manor. And I feel like I notice some things that I might not have if I wasn't looking out for it but now I'm like too scared to do that with Hill House because I already think it's like scarier oh yeah I think Hill House is so much scarier and like the so Bly Manor is based on a turn of the screw and Hill House is obviously based on the haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson um and I think between those two books the haunting of Hill House is actually scarier too so um maybe like try and get through it the first time and then you can get on like buzzfeed or whatever that does a listicle with the pictures and you can pick out which episodes you want to go back and watch for the the creeps yeah I'm just scared now like because I thought I was gonna watch it with my girlfriend and like having someone there with me you know makes it a bit better um but now I'm gonna have to finish it by myself and um I don't love that but so maybe I'll just like call you and um, make you watch it with me yeah we can do it on FaceTime together Amazing. Sorry, guys, we're planning out our date um, instead of talking about the podcast. So anyway, um, we've kind of already hinted at what we're planning for this month. And so um, this is our Dark Academia October. We're so excited. I am so excited. Actually, like I'm fully immersing myself in dark academia culture as well. I like started getting on dark academia Pinterest boards for aesthetic. I am on dark academia TikTok. Um, and actually my obsession with dark academia started from the book that we are reading this episode, which is a lesson in vengeance by Victoria Lee. Like I was not, I knew what dark academia was, especially because my old roommates who have been on the podcast, like Carly multiple times, Carly, like all talked about dark academia a lot. And um, like, so I knew what it was, but I didn't like fully wasn't in it myself until I read a lesson in vengeance. And like, now I've literally changed my style of clothing since I got into dark academia I bought like sweater vests and like turtlenecks and like black um pleated skirts and black loafers like and high like socks like this is the thing I would expect nothing less from you actually like Like, why am I so obsessed (laughs) I love it um I wish that um I had thought to do that instead I just read I've been reading so many dark academia books that aren't on our reading list just to like truly understand and like watching dark academia like I um probably this isn't probably really dark academia but I consider Heather's dark academia so I went back and I watched the Heathers right after I read this book and man this actually I feel like uh, Victoria Lee pulled a lot of the Heathers from um from this so I don't know we'll see yeah she like love she loves dark academia she literally like was like her book was like if dark academia but make it gay and also I just came up with the best idea that this is again not something that I need to be talking about on the podcast but what if I made a TikTok that was like matching all four books we read for this month with like dark academia outfits please do it please and I want to see it um like ASAP on on the feed I'll work (laughs) on it for you guys if that's something you want you should DM us um and tell me and maybe if um, enough people want me to do it I will do it I'm sure that's not gonna happen um but like you'll do it anyway so I'll do it anyway but it's like validate me <laughs> so um dark academia as Bailey has kind of touched on is like school vibes right pleated skirts tall socks um sweater vests and blazers and and stuff but um really it's a genre that romanticizes education and knowledge while incorporating some type of dark twist um so gothic genre um murder occult supernatural secret society so often it takes place at a boarding school which like the seventh grade me that wrote Wattpad stories all set at all boys boarding schools schools and just one girl got it like admitted like oh my god oh god Hey, I read some terrible Wattpad things and also wrote them, but it was great. So I'm loving this. Um, By the way, I came up with that um, definition and I just like that should even like tell you how deep into dark academia. Yeah, she's very into it. It's literally become her aesthetic, just like it's become an aesthetic on social media. Um, 
So yeah, I really love it. I've always liked Gothic literature. Um, yeah, and you like horror stuff way more than I do. I do. So like, and I'm the type of person that I don't realize that I do it, but I do theme read. So like in the summer, I want light or thrillers. So I either want to read a romance novel or I want to read a thriller. In the spring, I'm always reading like historical fiction. And then once I get to the fall, I am reading all horror all the time. Um, so this really fit very well into my reading life because it is occult and witchy and has the thriller murdery vibe and what's really fun about the books we picked up is I guess they're what they're YA I don't know I feel like some of them are okay um, uh, two of them are not and right. two of them are yes but so like I feel like I've gotten a healthy mix of both and it's that's been really good um and I don't know, I, I love the pretentiousism, pretension, pretensionism. I can't say, I can't even say it. Pretension. There we go. Pretension um, and elitism of the genre, especially a lesson in vengeance. Um, I know it's great. It's like a way to be pretentious without like, and like bringing out that without actually being pretentious. Like, right. Um, I mean, the books are pretentious, but it's like a way that you feel like you're in on the pretension without actually being like an asshole. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I'm so excited to talk for a whole month about these with you guys. I also also like looked up a little bit of the history of um, Dark Academia and research for this. And it kind of started with this book called The Secret History, which I've never heard of, but I know it's like kind of a classic. And um, it started out as like Dark Academia was like all the books were like really white, really straight, like which kind of goes along with like pretension, elitism and Ivy League schools. It's like, you know, very white upper class um but like I feel like recently the resurgence of dark academia and like the popularity of it in the past few years of like younger people has like driven it to become a like a much more diverse genre especially with YA and I feel like now a lot of the books like are pretty diverse like all of the ones we're reading either have characters of color or um like queer characters and I feel like that's it, it's cool that this genre has like taken a turn towards that also I'm sorry if you can hear dog barking that's all right your dog's adorable and is just saying that um they agree with our uh synopsis that um the non-wealthy or I mean that's not true wealthy people are writing books but that um people that didn't that were excluded from the dark academia genre are taking it back which I think is pretty cool yes I love it so should we announce the rest of the book yes. hearing yes so today obviously is uh, our kickoff it's a lesson in vengeance um the next book we're doing the episode oh by the way we're doing four books this month Woo, what <laughs> Four episodes. So exciting. If you miss our voices, you're just going to get a lot of it this month. We're going to be here even more for you guys. Just for this month, though. Don't expect this to be a regular. I mean, it might be. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Um, Ace of Spades is going to be um, on coming out on August or not August, October 8th. Um, literally so good. And that one has like a very crazy twist. Oh, my God. That one was amazing I loved that I actually loved all the books we read so it's gonna be hard like if we have to pick favorites it'll be hard for me to pick one I have um, to talk about that on the last episode yes absolutely and then on October 22nd we are reading Plain Bad Heroines which was a fun one yes I'm almost finished with that if you are reading along with us which I very much hope you are um give yourself a bit extra time for that one that's why we gave I personally scheduled it like um to uh like a week in between those episodes because it's a long one it's like 600 pages and I'm usually a fast reader and I've been reading it forever but it's like still worth it oh, yeah. and um on October 29th ending out the month we are doing if we were villains which I have heard from a very trusted source aka my room old roommates that it is like one of their favorite books ever written so can't wait to talk about all of them with you guys so please read along with us and um, DM us, put it in the comments of our post. Let us know what you guys think of them um, because we'd love to hear. I um, mean, maybe we'll turn into a dark academia fan podcast if you like this. Like we could just keep it going. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh my God, can you imagine? I might get burnt out on dark academia. Who knows? I know, but I feel like there are honestly enough that we can keep it going for a while. That's true. Okay, so a lesson in vengeance. Are we ready to start? I am so ready. Perfect. So 
Um, I did pull the Goodreads synopsis just so if you haven't read this book and or you read it a while ago and you need like a refresher before we start talking about it. Um, Felicity Morrow is our main character and she's back at Dalloway School. She's perched in the Catskill Mountains. The centuries old ivy covered campus was home until the tragic death of her girlfriend. Now, after a year away, she's returned to graduate and even, she even has her old room in Godwin House, the exclusive dormitory rumored to be haunted by the spirits of five Dalloway students. Girls, some say, were witches. The Dalloway Five all died in seriously, one after another, right on Godwin grounds. A witchcraft is woven into Dalloway's history. The school doesn't talk about it, but the students do. In secret rooms and shadowy corners, girls convene. And before her girlfriend died, Felicity was drawn to the dark. She's determined to leave that behind her now. All Felicity wants to do is focus on her senior thesis and graduate. But it's hard when Dalloway's occult history is everywhere. And when the new girl won't let her forget, and when the new girl won't let her forget. It's Ellis Haley's first year at Dalloway and she's already amassed a loyal following. A prodigy novelist at 17, Ellis is a so-called method writer. She's eccentric and brilliant and Felicity can't shake the pull she feels to her. So when Ellis asks Felicity to help research, help for help researching the Dalloway Five for her second book, Felicity cannot say no. Given her history with the arcane, Felicity is the perfect resource. But when history begins to repeat itself, Felicity will have to face the darkness in Dalloway and in herself i love it and okay i also i know that was a lot but i and to read but i also want to just read this um description by victoria herself because i think it's also really great she said this in an interview with the nerd daily it's online it's a lesson of vengeance is a slow burn gothic psychological suspense with no male representation in any way like seriously, even all the authors, composers, fashion designers reference are all female or non-binary. There's a lot of teenage pretension in literary references because let's be real, it's dark academia. Pretension is the name of the game, but it's also got ghosts, witches, and psychotic depression rep. I think that's also a perfect summary of the book. Yeah, that's perfect. And honestly, I don't think I even noticed that there wasn't any male representation at all. So I'm so glad you said that because that's amazing. I know. That's really cool. The attention to detail is pristine. Yes. Yeah, that was definitely um, the pretension to detail without being overwritten, too. Like, um, we'll talk about that with some other books we've read. But this one, I like she's very concise, um, but like excellent in all of the details to really weave this plot together. So um, something that I love about Dark Academia is the world building and normally the setting is really really important uh in dark academia like it couldn't take place anywhere else or it's spooky and it really becomes a character of it in and of itself which i believe godwin house and dalloway were as characters as much as felicity and ellis were um and so from getunderline.com, it says the history of Dalloway School lives in, lives in the bones it was built on. Five, five, five violent deaths in the first 10 years of existence. Sometimes you can still smell the blood on the air. Um, the other thing that really stuck out to me about characterization of it was that they referenced um, the Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson many, many times. And in The Haunting of Hill House, the house is built on a funny angle. It's tilted and it's not 90 degree angles. And so you never feel quite balanced when you're in the house. Yeah. I and, didn't realize that that's from that. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So then that's literally also written into Godwin itself. So when you were reading it, did you like feel the characterization of that setting of that house as much as as much as I did definitely not as much as you did I'm like now that you're pointing it out I'm thinking about it more but that wasn't like a thought I had while reading it yeah I I think that but you read a lot more horror so that makes sense that's fair I I think that Dalloway could be anywhere Dalloway could be in Arizona it could be in Florida it could be like Dalloway itself could be anywhere but I don't think this story could be told anywhere but at Dalloway I don't know. Dalloway very much has like Northeast. I mean, that's true. But, but I'm saying like a creepy school with a terrible history, like that could be anywhere. That's true. And yeah, I mean, it's also really cool that they talk about like, oh, it was like the home of Emily or it was like the, the school of Emily Dickinson when she like went there, like even more pretension, but like it definitely and just the culture of how like Dalloway is very exclusive or and especially like Godwin House is very exclusive. Yeah. And like 
how they even talk about like how all the girls there dress like in like old fashioned blazers and like cable knit sweaters and stuff like it just creates this like like you said this world building and this world that like feels very specific to Dalloway yeah right like and, none of them use cell phones yeah. like I was like are we sure we're in the 21st century because why don't any of them have an Instagram <laughs> right yeah. and like that's yeah I feel like that maybe is a bit unrealistic but I guess really if that's the culture and like you're trying to be that pretentious and like stuck up and uppity that you like don't even use cell phones like, I mean I guess it's believable well, and the other important piece of Dalloway and the weird things that these characters do and, and the reason why the setting is so important is it created a vacuum, right? So the real world didn't exist, even when yeah. they went into town to go shopping and like they shopped in vintage stores. Oh, no. and- it took me forever to realize. I'm pretty sure by town they mean New York, like city. Uh, yes, I think you're forever to right. realize that. <laughs> so um like, but that's just how crazy it is, is that they existed in this, this vacuum. They existed where the outside world didn't matter until all of a sudden it did. Yeah, it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. So I think that for me, I think Dalloway was my favorite character because the school and it was a living, breathing thing. Like the with the Dalloway Five especially, it just, it was this oppressive figure that was always, always in the story and always watching you and always paying attention. And the walls had ears and eyes and you know what I mean? So for me, it was a character and my favorite in the book. And I thought it was just excellent representation for, for overall, like what it takes for what happened to happen. That's true. I see that. Um, well, speaking of characters, I feel like they're, this is a book that they're really only two characters that like matter. Like, I don't know. I feel like some of the other books that we've been reading for Dark Academia Month have a lot of characters. Yes. And this one, it's like really, I mean, Dalloway, but really Ellis and Felicity, like the two main characters are the only ones that like really matter. I agree with you. There's the other three that make up their coven that they create. Um, and they, I think are important. They're just an afterthought to them, I think. Right. They're really only importance is they're tethered to sanity and, and more normalcy, as much normalcy as you can get at Dalloway school in Godwin house. Right. Um, versus the, the chaoticness and the, um, negative energy that Felicity and Ellis feed off toxicity. each other. Yes, toxicity. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Yeah, I agree. They're really the two driving forces. So, what did you think about them? Like between them, who was your favorite? Um. So I, you had texted me at some point because you'd finished this before I did, and you had compared it to a book that we read last season. Um, they never learn, and I was like really yeah <laughs> and I was confused because I hadn't started it yet and so I started it going in with that mindset and so I think that kind of colored how I felt about both of them oh, um no. no it's okay I mean like I got over it pretty quick when I realized how you were comparing it but so I think Ellis um I she had a magnetism Um, And so I liked reading about her because she was so interesting and she was very charismatic. And that was the whole point of her character. And Felicity made me sad. (laughs) I was always very anxious and stressed when Felicity was by herself and alone and like left with her thoughts. That's how I felt reading it. I agree. I think I just have to like the ending just colored my thoughts on both of them but while I was reading it I would say I feel the same same Alice like had this magnetism to her this like I don't know like old like old world feeling like just something about her just was like special like no character I'd ever read but it's funny because as soon as literally as soon as I read her I could picture her as like this this one actress and um like I don't know. There was something about her that was so like vivid in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's how good her characterization was where Felicity was the almost the opposite where she, I felt like she could be like anyone. 
like she was unreliable and like I don't know but I feel like she was kind of boring like and I think that's how she was supposed to be like as her as her personality her um her like interactions with other people like I think she's just as like I don't know she's just like another rich white girl like that sounds so bad but like I don't know I like I feel I like think- there's something about her that's really like basic I, well, I, and I, but I think about changes as you read it, right? Like it starts as she's very basic. When you start, she's muted. She's on her meds. Um, she's consistently taking her meds. And as the book goes on, she gets sucked in back into the witchcraft and the occult that is the Dalloway Five. And she stops taking her meds and her personality becomes more chaotic and um, less basic white girl, more yes. terrifying what is going on right now um kind of person right that's very true and that's why at, like by the end I was comparing it to they never learn because the characterization of Scarlet and the characterization characterization of Felicity like throughout the books kind of like was a bit similar to me um but I'm not saying the books themselves were similar but they the characterization of that and like the way you find things out and they're unreliable and like that definitely felt like similar to me so and I think that's where you and I like are gonna continuously fundamentally disagree about that is because I think Alice reminded me of Scarlet from they never learn like Alice was the one to me that was doing things for her own personal gain and to get away with them and um was so um, justified in what she was doing, that she was never going to be wrong. And so that's really what I took from, from the, they never learn piece of it, but we can agree to disagree. It's fine. (laughs) Um, but yes, I loved, um, I want something that I loved about Alice. I'm a bourbon drinker and, um, Alice introduces bourbon and old fashions to these 17 year old girls who all hate it no one at that age likes bourbon most people my age don't like bourbon like it's not like something it's an acquired taste or like you're just born with it like it's not like a Cosmo or I have acquired it I would like to say I'm very proud of myself oh good I'm happy for you it's delicious like if you can teach yourself to drink something y'all it should be bourbon it's so good um, and at one point, Alice's sibling comes to visit and makes fun of her because she's been drinking old fashions with her friends. And like they name the like least known bourbon place in the state of Kentucky because it just opened and it's the first female master distiller. So like that's why she did it now that I'm realizing that there was no male rep in the book at all. That's how they pulled that out. But like um just the pretentiousness and then the getting called out and the embarrassment that a 17 year old feels by being called out by their older sibling I thought that was all really good like obviously has stuck with me that was a great example of Alice being this cool calm collected like person on the outside but then um which is kind of like being I don't know just a kid on the inside which is something that like Victoria said about Alice in that interview Um, She was like, she kind of consumes any scene she's in. She puts up this facade of being super mature and brilliant and pretentious, but she's just an insecure kid at heart. And like, on one hand, I do see that, like, she definitely is an insecure kid. Like, again, she like tries to um, like dress. They even said that like she dresses and like kind of acts like her older sibling. Right. Like suspenders and like business casual, like all the time. Yes. Like you know, is just an insecure kid at heart. But then again, I also, I don't know. I feel like Ellis is too like cunning and psychopathic to be like an insecure kid at heart. I don't know. It's almost this like dual characterization. Right. Well, it's just like how things in this world aren't real until they are like, so Felicity as a character, we see like we break through her psychosis in pieces. So we start the book and we're learning about her girlfriend's death, Alex. And literally we like the first like prologue or the first quote is about how you can suffocate or drown, right? Like, like suffocate when it's too cold, 13,000 feet above sea level, you can drown in the air, like it's water. Um, and so like we, she, 
believes, and as readers, we then believe that they were on a climbing expedition and it, they, it got treacherous and uh, Felicity had to make this choice. Um, and so like, we, we like work through her, her psychosis um, and figure out that, oh, that, that was real until it's not real. And here's actually what happened. She got in a fight with her girlfriend and pushed ah. her. Oh, am I not allowed to say the ending? I was thinking maybe we should, we should okay. talk about this before. Maybe we shouldn't spoil everything in case people right. haven't had a chance to read it yet. She got in a fight with her girlfriend. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but so like everything is real until it's not. And so that's the same with Alice is that she's this cool, calm and collected, like a kid at heart. She's this cool, calm and collected person until, until it's not, until the, the facade that this whole world puts over everything breaks. And you really, I feel like you made a good point about, it is like almost like an onion where you peel back in layers and it's like layers until you find out what really happened. Like you peel back a layer and you think it's like one thing. And then you peel back later and you realize it's something else. Like it definitely, um, Victoria Lee did a good job of like not exposing everything at the beginning and like kind of doing it like in small chunks and making it like not believable, but like, I don't know, just a good Digestible. job. Yeah. It didn't need to be believable because you could, you could swallow it and digest it. And then all of a sudden you were on to the next thing. Yeah. And it changed and it, it, yeah, but it, it's not that it's like, seems like it's a complete uh, 180 either because just about this world and like the unreliableness of the characters and the layers of even them like yeah. it, it, it makes it not like unbelievable that the things change which I think is a really good testament of Victoria's way to write like psychosis and psychotic depression and she said that like this book learning to do that was like a really big writing challenge for her wow. um, and like learning I guess the right way to portray someone who's like in a um a psychotic depressive episode and like what that feels like for them I feel like um Felicity's characterization and like her point of view did a really good job of making it like feel like we are figuring out what she's figuring out yeah yeah we were we were right along there with her we it wasn't like we were it wasn't like she was steps ahead of us her psychosis had her real self-realizing as the readers were realizing, which made the plot twists and the things that occurred for me that much more like, oh my God. And like had, had to keep going because I couldn't, this is one of those books that I couldn't totally guess everything that happened. And I loved that about it. Me too. And you also said something about how you were rooting Felicity to like hold on to rooting for Felicity to hold on to her sanity. And every time she was alone, you were like worried for her that when she would turn to like the tarot cards and the like Ouija boards or like seances and everything like yeah you were just like you were like no like don't spiral Stop. what are you doing you don't need just walk away like yeah I agree. Like, oh there's so many times where I'm like you could you could save yourself by just not doing the thing that you're about to do it um it was very stress inducing those types of decisions that that came up in those actions that that sh that she made I loved those aspects of it though like the like the fact that she dug the crystals and the tarot cards out of her floorboards and like it went back like that us that that aesthetic is one of my favorites so I thought that was that was cool me too and like I really was even though I ended up not liking really either of these characters in the end like throughout the characterization of the book like I I still felt for them at different points and like yeah. there was a part where Alice's sibling reveals something that happened to Alice as a child that made me feel like so terrible for Alice but then at the end when you peel back another layer it makes me realize that maybe something Alice did like maybe that even wasn't what it seemed right like, yeah maybe Alice had more of a part to do and maybe Alice wasn't fully the victim Ellis was being a method writer, which is, you know, like method actors, probably not that all method actors are bad, but let's think about like Joker and the Suicide Squad was a method actor and nobody liked it. So I think <laughs> the same can be said for Ellis's method writing. So we're, so, we're comparing Ellis to Jared Leto now. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so, okay, you, you just said I, and that I said that I was rooting for Ellis to like keep her sanity. So was there ever a point that you were cheering for either of these characters? Were we like, 
rooting for them or were we just like watching the unraveling of their lives of Felicity's life? I think it was both. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I think, I think before I really understood them, I was rooting for them. And once I understood them at the end, I was like, why was I rooting for them? And I think that's like a testament to a great story. Yeah, for sure. No, you're totally right. Great writing. I would just like to say for the record to the podcast that I have a dog in my lap right now and it's making this recording experience a thousand times even better. The dog is precious. Thank you. She has a cute little, he, she, I don't know. He. He has a cute little purple halter on. I want to snuggle with the dog. Mine loves my husband more than he loves me. Okay. So a really important part of the book is that they're in school and Felicity has a thesis she has to write as a senior, which this really confused me every time they brought up the thesis I was like are they in college or are they in I feel like this place is just like so <laughs> elitist that it basically yeah. is like college level stuff well and kind of ace of spades is similar well right like they do I was like wow all right you're really going for it with your um things that you have to do for school um so her thesis was the massage that she changed it to was the misogyny and characterization of female emotionality in horror literature. It devolves into witchcraft kind of as she, as her psychosis gets worse. Um, but so a common trope in horror fiction and horror, especially in, in fiction and Gothic fiction, uh, sorry, horror and Gothic fiction, um, is for a woman to be driven mad by circumstance, uh, mundane or mystical beyond her control, and then be punished for lashing out or for attempting to restore stability, which I'm pretty sure that's the whole, I get Mrs. Dalloway confused with um, another book all the time, but I'm pretty sure that's the plot for Mrs. Dalloway. So I really loved that that was her entire thesis. Um, Mrs. Dalloway is not horror, but I'm sure I'm gonna be embarrassed when somebody calls me out and says that's wrong um I read it in high school and it's the book that made me hate stream of consciousness um I honestly don't know if that's right I don't remember anything like horror gothic-y but it wasn't horror gothic but it's about a woman that is driven mad by circumstance just super mundane life yeah um, I, I think that's right and like falls into a, a psychosis but so um you see a lot of what's what's interesting to me is what she is supposed to be writing about happens to her and her relationship with Ellis. Yeah. Um, like Ellis, I can't, I hate that I can't talk about the book, like the ending, because it's harder to talk about this. But if you guys read this, you'll notice that Ellis is manipulative and like with hindsight, she knows what she's doing. A thousand percent. Every it's a giant chessboard, and she's moving. And she's ten every, steps ahead. Yes, every time she, she knows where she wants Felicity to go, and she knows how she's going to get her there. Um, and she really truly manipulates Felicity's um, trauma to suit her needs. And um, so she, to me, that's like what truly makes her the villain of this whole book is because she manifests that horrible piece of patriarch of the patriarchy and misogyny um as as another woman um and does that to somebody that she pretends is her friend which I think is a really interesting subversion on the trope yeah um and I I don't hate it I I, oh. I hate Ellis as a character um just I mean I feel like you're supposed to hate Ellis as a character right once you finish it and so like I'm, I'm not saying that I hate the characterization um, because Victoria Lee did a great job of making me feel the way I'm supposed to feel. But it is a really interesting subversion of that trope, I think. And yeah. just Ellis, just really, she's just like so all-consuming and like so magnetic and interesting. Yes. Yeah, she was, she was the magnetic force behind the whole book, right? Like, so like she's the one that, gets everything like I said it's a chessboard and she's the one that gets everything in emotion the um what was it the night migrations that they do as like a coven as like a weird underground sorority secret society that the school has and um just the way that she maneuvers each of the girls um closely included into the ending 
um, couldn't be done without a personality like Atlas. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so how about, how do you feel about, um, we always talk about unlikable female characters on this podcast. Do you feel like, um, do you think these were unlikable? I, I, I think that the ending makes you feel bad for liking Felicity. I think, but I, I think that Felicity I think Alice is hella unlikable. Like I, like I said, I liked reading her. I thought she was very interesting and like very charismatic and very magnetic, but I never trusted her throughout reading the book. Like if I was- She also doesn't reveal a lot of herself. Right. If I was in school with her, if I was one of those girls, I wouldn't want to be her like bosom friend, right? Like I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to hold you at arm's length. Like and I'm an old woman like like a close friend like a confidant like a I don't know like a, like a groupie bestie. yeah like or bestie I don't know okay. bestie with we bosom friends not yes definitely I better make sure that that means what I think it means let's go I feel like that's uh maybe a, a queer term but um, um no it's a bosom buddy bosom buddy is a very close intimate friend one who's always got your back and who you do and share everything with a bff freaking told you right so you're my bosom buddy yes perfect that's what we can change the name of our podcast to <laughs> um let's so, make it gayer than it already is perfect so i wouldn't i didn't trust her so i don't think i ever really liked ellis But Felicity, I rooted for through the end. Like I wanted her to leave Dalloway and have a life beyond Dalloway and have a life beyond her trauma and have a life beyond what she was manipulated to experience. Um, And so I don't know if you were supposed to think Felicity was a good person, but I, I do think I mean, I liked her and I, I cheered for her at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Definitely feel the same about Ellis. I think I feel a little bit differently about Felicity than you do. Um, like kind of the same way I feel about Scarlett. Um, I just, I mean, Felicity, I just feel like when you finally see her true colors at the end, she just like, is so different from how she's the beginning. But I think part of it is that she didn't even re- like she was like her psychosis maybe took over either that or like that's who she was all along. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if her psychosis is fueling how she is at the end or if it's like if she was fooling herself um, and which part of her is really real. But there's definitely a part of her that's very ugly, very unlikable, very psychotic. Um, and I don't. I don't love that part of her. And I almost, I don't know. I almost feel like who she is at the end is really who she was all along, but I don't think she was lying to us. I think she was lying to herself. Yeah. I mean, again, cause that goes back to the fact that everything we learned, she was learning at the same time. So I don't think it was possible for her. She was an unreliable narrator because she didn't, she hadn't peeled all the layers away for herself yet. Not she was an unreliable narrator because as a narrator, she lied to the readers. But I do think what really changed my mind about her, honestly, was the epilogue. So in the epilogue, after what happens at Dalloway, it's like a few years after that, she is um, in boarding school. Sorry, I guess it's a spoiler that she like lives. I don't know. Um, and um, <laughs> she she is in um, college in London, living with like a new, she has a girlfriend. And she just like the way she talks about her girlfriend and like, the lack of I don't know like um empathy that she exhibits at the end and like when she learns about Alice's new book and like how she's like oh I don't care like something about it to me just screams like sociopathic that like this is maybe how she was the entire time but was trying to like I don't know fake her guilt and empathy and like I don't know at the end she just like the epilogue just seems like a complete opposite of how she felt throughout the rest of the book and that's why I think I feel like she's um I don't know like not actually like uh, a good person the trauma that happened to her to start the book her the death of her girlfriend 
is not, it's comparable, but not comparable to the trauma that takes place at the end. So to me, it makes sense that she's behaving differently about those two things because they were not the same. I guess that's true. Do you guys really like when we talk in code like this? <laughs> I mean, I guess we should ask whether people want spoilers. I was just thinking, especially like, I don't no, know. This one, yeah, no, I agree. If you haven't had a chance to read it, you shouldn't, I wouldn't want it spoiled for me. And we want everybody to be able to listen to it. So if you've read it, you know what we're talking about. And if you don't, go read it so that you do know what we're talking about. And you can think about our commentary um, and answer the questions yourself. And maybe listen to it before and then read it and then listen to it again after. Yeah, exactly. Give us double the lessons. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do think that this book shows psychotic depression and obsession in a way that I've never seen before. I mean, I don't even know any other books that I've read that have to char- characters with like explicitly stated psychotic depression. Yeah. Um, I mean, there probably is some, but I can't think of any. But Victoria was really clear about like why she was excited to write about this and she also said that she hopes readers will come away thinking carefully about how much they are willing to sacrifice of themselves to their art and obsessions like that's especially telling of um ellis's method writing um she also hopes that people will have a new lens on psychotic depression and more sympathy for people suffering from psychotic disorders as human beings with complex interior lives who share the same wants and hopes and dreams as anyone else that one's a bit harder for me because I came out of the book thinking that Felicity was not a good person. So it maybe makes me wonder if like, I'm supposed to feel a lot worse for Felicity than I do. I definitely have a lot of sympathy throughout the reading of this book for, for Felicity. I have a better understanding of what psychosis looks like. I I mean, I studied psychology in college. I wanted, I thought when I was a freshman that I wanted to be, you know, like a psychologist or something. I was a psych major. Um, and I, and I, I never really like understood it. Like, you know, you get the Hollywood definition of psychosis, um, a lot. And I think that this was definitely a more real version of what, of internally what people are going through and what people that, that struggle with this disorder have to deal with. And it's, very difficult and so I I feel for her a lot and that's why I think I'm cheering for her at the end um but I don't think that you're wrong for not necessarily cheering for her for not because you and I have differing opinions on the level of guilt that she's feeling overall yeah true I don't think you're wrong and okay, honestly, this there were, there's this one sentence in the epilogue that I texted Peyton and was like, oh my God, I have to talk to you about this once you read this book. And it's so, um, in the epilogue, they talk about how Ellis's book that she's writing um, during her time at Dalloway comes out. And a store in the clerk is telling Felicity what it's about. And um, it says, it's a, about a female psychopath who falls in love with a beautiful woman who appears innocent at first glance, but who harbors deadly secrets of her own. Now, I was under the impression, and like, it's been over months since I read this book, but I was under the impression that Ellis's main character was Felicity and that she came in thinking like she was going to write through the lens of the psychopath, you know, who was able to kill the rest of the the book that Ellis is writing is about the like recharacterization of like the Dalloway five and that she thinks the leader of the Dalloway five was the one that killed all the rest of them who apparently died through mysterious circumstances. But Ellis is writing it as, yeah, Ellis is writing it as like, no, it's not mysterious. This, the, the one person, the one woman um, actually killed all the rest of them. And she's a psychopath and she created these crazy ways for them to die um, and make it look like, witches um and I was under the impression that Ellis was kind of using Felicity as that main character inspiration of who was able to do all these other things so that's why when I read this I was like wait oh my god is that mean Felicity is the psychopath who like was led astray by Ellis or was Ellis the psychopath who was led astray by Felicity and is it interchangeable and I was like whoa mind blown (laughs) okay so I mean it definitely could be interchangeable I think that um Ellis is too 
self-centered to write a book where she um so like I think that she was writing it as if she was not the psychopath that she was like the beautiful girl with a dark history of her own so where she was writing it that Felicity was the psychopath but I think that in truth it was not Felicity that was the psychopath it was Alice that is psychopathic and so mirrored that into her character but that she was actually writing about herself as this as as the main character without realizing it or as the psychopathic one without realizing it yeah I feel like I don't know it's we're never gonna agree on this we've been arguing about it since you texted it to me I just think it's really I that sentence I don't know you never you ever you ever read one specific sentence of a book and it just like makes the book for you for sure and it's like not necessarily that something someone else can understand it just like things hit right for or things hit different for different people yeah something about that book also it's very meta because it's like a book about a book but like something about that was just like whoa for me like I just loved that yeah, no, for sure. I definitely understand that. Um, and I love that you text it like that you texted it to me and you're like, whoa. And I, and I think that that's what marks a really good book is that it can spark conversation and um, that it can mean different things to different people. Yeah, for sure. Okay. One thing that we've never really, we might've done it once or twice, but we've never really done it before that I know other podcasts do. It's so fun. We want to cast these books that we're reading. Um, Cause I feel like I don't know, these books, especially that we're doing this month, have such vivid characters that I just really want to cast them in movies. And like I said, when I first read Ellis, I immediately knew who I saw Ellis as, like so vividly. Um, if you guys have ever seen Atypical, she plays, they play Casey. It's Bridget Lundy Payne. Um, you should look up a picture of them. We should actually post it on our Instagram too. Okay. Um, they like, I don't know, do you agree? Just like that is how I see Ellis to a T. Yes, I um, definitely agree with you. Yes, Bridget Lundy, Bridget Lundy Payne, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah, there, there's a picture of them in um, a turtleneck, and that's Alice staring at me in my TV screen. They're like tall and brooding and intense, but also like really beautiful. And um, they like, they're tall and lanky, and like, I don't know, even on. Like in a typical, um, their character is like goes to a private school and wears like a uniform. So I've seen them in like blazers and stuff a lot. And like that also plays into my like viewing of Alice, but I don't know. I think it's just perfect. In this picture I just found, they are in a cream turtleneck and a gray tweed uh, blazer and pant set with a gold chain in their pocket. And that is... I'm going to send it to you on chat right now. That is the most Ellis thing I've ever seen. So yeah, I'm in agreement. It's perfect. And Ellis is, um, I mean, Ellis uses she, her pronouns, but she's pretty androgynous. And I feel like Bridget definitely has that look. Yeah. Um, and okay. See, here's the thing about Felicity. I feel like Felicity could be like almost any wafy blonde girl. <laughs> see, I, so I think you might disagree with me on who I would cast for Felicity. Oh yeah. That picture. So it, yeah. um, okay. I was thinking, so, um, like, Catherine Newton, or, like, I don't know, just, like, a, a thin, wafy blonde girl. I feel like she seems like a good one. That's who I see for um, uh, Felicity, but who do you see? You see who? Catherine Newton? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Um, Sorsha Ronan. Okay, I mean, um, Sorsha's, like, a lot older, I would say. I mean, yes, but yes. I, I she's in Little Women, so she can, she played Joe in Little Women. She could play a young, a young woman in, in school. So I, that's I right. That. That's who I see it as. Cause I, I do think she has to be striking enough to catch, um, Alice's attention and hold her attention, not only in her psychopathy, but also like as a person, because, um, I do think some of the feelings Alice develops are real. I feel that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we ever mentioned, but um, yeah, we never even talked about their romance. But I, I, you're right. I just feel like that wasn't the, like the, so often when there's young women in a YA book, it 
is only about the romance. And so I was quite refreshed that yes, there was romance in this and it was important to the story, but it wasn't the only like plot point that was important. You know what I mean? True. And they're like their mental states and um, I don't know, the plot was definitely more important than the romance, but I will say it definitely played into the dynamic, the interesting dynamic between them, the toxicity that leads to the ending, yeah. Ellis's manipulation of Felicity. Like, yeah. do you, so you think some of Alice's feelings for Felicity were real? Well, if you're going to say that the novel saying that she falls in love with a serial killer, if you're or a social sociopath is re- or psychopath is real, then you also have to account for the line that she falls in love with her. And that's, that's what that's about. I, I think that some of it was, but I think that, I think that Ellis doesn't, doesn't know what love is um, and needed and, and really thought that what they had was a true like relationship. Um, And I don't think that it really was right. I mean, it was completely manipulative and emotionally abusive and horrible. Um, but I do think that Ellis in her mind was like, I love this person. I would never do the things that I'm threatening to do to you. I love you. Yeah, I agree. I think Ellis saw herself as like the tragic Hero. one that fell for Felicity, but yeah, he was not. I think she definitely was the psychopath manipulating it. I don't, I mean, I don't know if her feelings were real. Maybe she thought they were, but like. Felicity was the tragic one that fell in love with Ellis. Like I, I think Felicity really did have feelings for Ellis at, at least like oh. part of them Felicity um, was so vulnerable right right and Ellis um did we ever even meet the real Alice I mean I don't know who knows but I think Ellis still had this like maybe idea in her mind based on how she acts at the end that she was doing what was like best for Felicity and Alice to live together happy forever but like I I, I think she was deluding herself oh yeah I agree all right, so what would you rate it? Um, five stars. You gave it five? Yes. I think I gave it four and a half. Let me double check. Uh, this is from my last one. Oh, yeah, I gave it four and a half. I don't remember why I didn't give it a full five. It's it's up there. I, I just, I think I remember walking away, like, not a hundred percent satisfied and so I didn't give it the full five I'm also being way pickier with my ratings now than I was before so it was great yeah me too um I just I I don't know maybe now that we're reading other um dark academia I would maybe bump it down a bit but at least at the time I gave it five stars yeah it was a great introduction for the month really set you up with the spooky feeling let you know like the vibes that we're looking for like the world building was spot on I loved all of that um it leaves you with some questions and so I think maybe that's why I didn't give it the full five but out of every book we're reading it's definitely the one that I'm glad we decided to start with for talking about yes and I feel like a lot of people have read it um also if you haven't read it and you want to read it just with some things that have happened I highly recommend buying it preferably from an indie bookstore yeah please please buy it um if you don't have an indie that's near you you can get on um book it's like the the small town indie like now I can't remember there's that you can buy from indie bookstores online now like please like support local um buy this book there was some drama around it um and not around it necessarily but Victoria Lee deserves uh, all of the sales and recognition and support for this. So, yeah, definitely. And if you are happy to be in New York City, um, I don't know if this is still a thing because I got this like the week the book came out, but I went to the um, Times Square, the uh, Fifth Avenue, Barnes and Noble, and I got a signed copy. So, oh, sweet. That's did, I tell, did I tell you that? No, but that's really cool. Yeah, look. Very cool. Look at that. Well, um, I think that's all we have to talk about today, guys. Um, yeah, and next week um, on the 8th, it will be Ace of Spades, which is also excellent. So we can't wait to talk about that with you guys, too. We're so excited that we are back for season two and can't wait that for everything that is coming up. Yeah.
And if you're new here, we have a sign off. We pretended at the first that we would be drinking while we would do this podcast. So we would end it with a cheers. Um, we don't normally drink when we do this podcast anymore. Um, no. So, but we still, we end it with a cheers. Cause like, if it's a good sentiment for any occasion. Sign off. We're not British, but we could pretend to be. Yeah, well, cheers friends. Cheers friends. <laughs>